Welcome to our inaugural episode of Roots, Rhythm, and Soul, a podcast where we unearth the stories of Afro-Latin dance and music. I am your host, Mario B., and you were just listening to Soul Drummer by Rey Barreto. This will be part one of a two-part series with Eddie and Maria Torres. In this episode, we'll be discussing their trials and tribulations and a raw, authentic, organic experience of their significance in the world of dance, their personal stories, and how they became the Mambo Queen and the Mambo King. So without further ado, here it is, Eddie and Maria Torres. Good morning. Good morning. Maria, you're knitting? Always. Always. What are you making? A scarf or? No, no, Afghan. I saw them. Nice. Okay, my friend. All okay, right. listen, so, you know, we get a lot of questions, and I get a lot of questions about, you know, Mr. Eddie Torres. Where is Eddie Torres from? What are his origins? What are his roots? Um, what's his story? Uh, what's his cultural back background? What's his influence? So, you know, if you can share with us, you know, obviously, where were you born? Um, what was your um, family culture like growing up? Um, you know, your, your ethnic background, your uh, ethnicity, uh, so on and so forth. If you could share a little bit about that. Well, let me begin by saying this. Um, both Maria and I, we're Puerto Ricans. Nice. Um, I, have, I have a little bit of Spanish blood, too, because my, my grandmother from my father's side is yes. from Madrid. You too. So there's a little Spanish blood in there. Maria also, yes. she, she has, uh, besides Puerto Rican? Spanish. Oh, look at that. Her father has roots in Spain, too. So look at that. We were, we were already destined to be together 41 years, by the way, Mara. Um, yeah, so born here in New York, uh, uh, born in Harlem Hospital in Harlem. Nice. And I, I, lo I love the idea that when I found out that both Tito Puente and I were born in that same hospital and that we were raised in the actress in the same neighborhood in Spanish Harlem. So let me let me let me say this my parents migrated from puerto rico of course looking for economically for a better life because things were very hard in the 40s in puerto rico so they came here you know like a lot of people they migrate here looking for a better life and so um my mother tells me the story that when she moved here they were living in what they call the furnished homes and this was in manhattan mary now you know to live in manhattan today you have to have money Everything in Manhattan is expensive. So she was living, I believe, in the 60s in furnished home. And, and that's where I think I was, I, my first uh, living place was in Manhattan, in Spanish Harlem. And as, as I was growing up, my mother told me that she never got the chance to go out and dance at the Palladium or, or do that kind of, uh, that, that fun stuff. But she said that she had a radio and that she would, put on her radio and listen to a lot of Tito Puente music. So basically she says that she, while she was carrying me, she was dancing around the house to Tito Puente music. I said, no wonder I was naturally gravitating to Tito's music since I was very, very young. So as far as that's where our, our origins are. I, I used to tell my mother like this, mom, you know what? 
I would have loved, loved to been born in Puerto Rico because since I'm Puerto Rican and, and when you're born in Puerto Rico, then they consider you 100% organic <laughs> in, your, in, your, uh, in your birthright. So I said, why didn't you wait? Why didn't you wait a little while longer? Let me be born in Puerto Rico. I says, she says, no, because God knew where he wanted you to be placed when you were born. Amen. You know Amen. what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so that's how I started now, Maria. I was born in Metropolitan Hospital. I'm also raised in Spanish Harlem. I am the oldest for my mother and father, but I am number six of my father. Long story. And uh, there's, there's nine of us. I would dare say seven are professional musicians. I grew up in music because my brother, like Ricardo Marrero, Tito Marrero, uh, he had Dave Valentin in his band before Dave Valentin became famous, Angela Bofio. And I grew up with music all the time. When my mother would clean the house, she would take the broom and the mop and start moving around. She does boom and plena. And as soon as the music was out, okay, it's time to clean house. So I got up and started, you know. So long story short, I joined a group called Miss Betty Scott Carter, which I've learned tap dancing and jitterbug, which they call now the swing. Nice. Back then, Miss uh, Scott never told me timing. She just showed me, follow me, and whatever. I'm the type of child that you show a movement, and I'll pick it up quickly. And I grew up with Miss Scott since I was four. Been dancing since I was four. Don't do the math yet. And <laughs> I've been dancing with Miss Scott 15 years before I met Eddie. I'm with Eddie 41 years. <laughs> so I'm dancing a total of 56 years, but don't do the math yet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I grew up with a lot of uh, musicians, brothers and sisters, but I was born and raised here in Manhattan. And uh, you're going to tell them how we got together and we met. Okay. All right. So, yeah, then you, know, you have a, a little bit people, of a girl. A lot of people ask that same question. Like, oh, I know you know Eddie, but how did Eddie get to know Maria? How did, how did that, you know, that rainbow form? Well, here's how it started. Um, back in the 70s, like maybe around 78, um, I had, a, I had the opportunity to teach at a place in the Bronx, Mario. It was called Roberto Clemente State Park, named after the famous baseball player. And I remember when I went there to, to, to start working, because I had already gotten the job, and I went there with a friend of mine, his name was Jackie. And as I walked into this building, I remember they had this, like I was in the balcony section where you'd look down and down in the main floor, they had all these different activities going on. They had basketball, karate, gymnastics. Um, they, they were doing all these. And I said, oh, this is cool. So the cool thing about that place was that the government would pay the instructors to teach there. And it was free for the community. So I thought that was, it was the idea of keeping kids off the street and doing something positive. But I remember when I walked in and I looked over the balcony and I see this this little crowd, this, this little group of gymnastic uh, gymnasts, and I and I spotted Maria. She was sitting there with her cute little white shorts, and you know she looked like a little doll. And I just happened to casually just tell my friend, I said, Jackie, you see that that beautiful little young lady down there? And he says, Yeah. I said, That's my future wife. I happened to just say that. Just just, just it came out of me like that. So okay. Without so I, meeting me yet. No, well I didn't know her. So wow. as I'm teaching, about a month later into these classes, Maria comes in and she stands by the door. And she had that, she had that pose like, like saying, I'm here to check this out because apparently somebody told her about me. Just somebody from the family that, that was there that knew me told her, said, you have to come check out 
you know, any Torah's teaching. So she came with that little attitude, you know, all. By the all, way, she still had that pose, by the way, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she's standing there, Mary, and the first thing I said to myself while I was teaching, I said, oh my goodness, look, there's my future wife, you know. So I ran over to her and I introduced myself and I said, listen, I'm teaching uh, salsa dancing here. Would you be interested in taking lessons? And she says, no, 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 I know how to dance. So I said, I was curious. I said, okay, um, can you show me your style if I put on some music? And she said, yeah. So I put on some music for her and she started dancing. Maria, give him a little demo of how, how you started dancing. We call it Ola Epa, you know, the, like mom and dad used to dance. Little lie, the chocolate. Exactly. So when I, when I saw her dancing like that, I said, well, this might be my, my end to get to know her. So I told her, Maria, uh, do me a favor, sit down and let me show you the style that I'm teaching here and see if you're interested. So she sat down and I started running off all these little shines with these beginners. Um, and apparently she realized then from seeing that we were dancing in, in coordination of timing and everything that, that she really didn't know this dance called Saipta. So I, I have a feeling she was feeling a little embarrassed because she got up there with all her hands flopping around. And then uh, all of a sudden she gets up, she goes, all right, thank you. And I says, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't you interested in taking classes? She goes, no, 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 not right now. And she left. Uh, three months passed by, I hadn't seen her. I found out that she went away to college. Now, out of the clear blue sky, one day I'm teaching and she comes into the room and she comes right to my face. She goes, I want to learn this dance. And I said, okay, well, this is going to be a challenge because I'm going to have to take out all of this. But when I started to teach her, Mario, I realized she had an amazing dance talent. She just didn't know how to dance salsa. She knew how to dance hustle, jitterbug, tap dancing, all that. And, and she was so quick. I mean, quick. I would show her a shine and immediately she would pick it up. And I said, wait a minute, this girl's got talent. Still today, I can do that. Still today. Now, if, 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 I can, if I can stop there and go back to maybe eight years before I met her, I had a conversation with Tito Puente at a club called The Corso, which was in Manhattan on 86th Street. And I was aspiring, and my dream was to work with him because I, uh, I saw him at the Roseland Ballroom, which is another uh, famous ballroom back in the day. And there was a couple, and I'm sure you know the name, Augie and Margot Rodriguez. Absolutely. All right, guys. So to help with some context, Augie and Margot were American dancers who helped popularize the mambo. Both were born in New York City, and they were the popular adagio dance team at both the New York City Palladium Ballroom and Roseland Ballroom, where the mambo craze began. Augie and Margot were the pioneers and the legends behind adding intricate partner work to the Palladium Mumble style. Now let's continue back with Eddie. And so they were performing there, and the lady that taught me all about the theory, she told me, you have to see this couple, because if you really want to work with Tito as a profession, this is going to inspire you. So I saw them, and I, I, I can't even tell you how blown away I was. And then one day at the Corso, because I used to dance, I practically lived there. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, I would not miss it. And especially... Tito was not traveling. He was always at the Corso on Sunday. So I would dance in front of him. I was just like, I hope he notices me one day. And so one day, because I would always, after he's finished his set, I was like, Tito, I love your music, and blah, blah, blah. And one day, as he's getting off the stage, he tells me like this, he says, come here. Let me ask you a question. He says, have you ever thought about doing your dance 
at a professional level. And that, that, that right there just stopped my heart. I said, Tito, if you only knew, I saw you playing at Roseland with Orgy and Margo. My dream is to one day perform like them with you in a, in a concert. And he says, do you have a dance partner? I said, no. He says, well, you need to find a dance partner and you need to uh, put together some routines. And who knows, if you do that, maybe in the future, it'll happen. So now I'm going to, I'm going to go from like, let's say 1972 to 1978 when I met Maria. And then at that point, when I realized that Maria was so talented, I started sharing this dream that I, that I had to work with Tina. I says, Maria, would you be interested in letting me train you with the, with the hopes of one day performing with the Tito Puente Orchestra. You know what she said? She said, no. who's, she said who's Tito Puente? Tito Puente. <laughs> <laughs> Maria didn't know because her world was hustle, tap, but she didn't know about Tito. I said, okay. So I would say in a matter of six months, I, I taught her two of, two no, of the routines. Okay. The first two routines she learned was El Cayuco, the cha-cha by Tito Puente, and the other one, which is called Palladium Days. Right. And after she had the routine down and we were ready, I told her, listen, tonight, Tito Puente is playing at a club here in Manhattan called Christopher's. Let's go there. And I'm going to ask him if he could give us a few minutes and give us an audition to see the routines and see if he likes it. And so we went that night and I remember it was almost midnight and the band was there already. Tito comes in and he starts to warm up a little bit with the band. And as he's doing that, I, I approached him. I said, Tito. I said, you remember me? He says, do I remember you? I'm tired of seeing your face at the Corso. So he said, I said, listen, Tito, I don't know if you remember the conversation we had about me finding a partner, blah, blah, blah. He said, yeah. I said, well, this is Maria. She's my partner. And I just choreographed two of your, 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 your numbers. And I, I would uh, love if you would give us a few minutes to audition or somewhere at any, at any time I'll meet with you. And he told me like this. He said, Eddie, I'll be honest. I'm very, very busy. I travel a lot. And I don't have time for that kind of private audition, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to introduce you into my, to my musical director, this Italian guy named Jimmy Frisaura, and who played with Tito for over 40 years. He says, you explain to Jimmy exactly how you want these tunes played, like the record bar for bar. And in my next concert, I will feature you and Maria to perform with me. And then I looked at him and said, but wait a minute, Tito, you're going to put us on stage with you to perform without seeing the choreography? And you know what he said? He says, Eddie, I've been watching you dance for years. I know you can dance. How bad could it be? He, wow. says, he says, I'm going to give you a shot. If I like it, who knows? Maybe it will develop into something. And if not, you had your shot, you know? Wow. So I said, fair enough. So uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of months later, he was playing at a place, Mario, called at that time, it was called the New York Coliseum, which is now known as Jazz at Lincoln Center. Yes. Right on 57th Street. Education. Education. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let so everybody know. I, <laughs> so, Mario, we walk in, and I didn't know, but what they were having what was called a Latin Expo Feria. All these products, these Latin products were being displayed, and they were giving people samples. Mustelo, Goya, they were all there. But the thing that blew me away is I, I thought we were going into like an auditorium on a stage. And when we walked in, there was literally like thousands of people. Wow. And I said, oh, my God, look, look at all these people. I told Maria, we're going to have to debut in front of all these people. And, and, and I said, Tito hasn't even seen the routine. So I was bugging out. I was nervous. So we, when we get to, to where Tito was set up, 
And, and Tito said, hey, guys, go get ready. I'm going to play two numbers that I'm going to present you. Then I'm going to play two more numbers, and you come out for your second number. So I remember in the dressing room, I was driving Maria crazy because, Mario, I understood what this meant for me. I said, if we do good, this might turn into something that later on will do more work with Tito. This could be your career, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I was, Maria, Maria, we got Maria, Maria. And Maria says, man, chill out. Because see Maria, Maria, she doesn't get nervous <laughs> on stage. And since she didn't know who Tito Puente was, it didn't mean all that much to her. Now so she was, like, she, was like, she was like, chill out. We're going to be fine. And I was like, okay. So we came out. He, the funny thing was when Tito introduced us, he said something like this. He says, now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to bring out a couple. This young man dances every week at the Corso. And he, he wanted to debut his, his uh, act with his partner, with my band. He says, and he says, so this is a surprise. He says, so much of a surprise that I myself have not seen it. <laughs> so he says, so this is the first for all of us. And he brings us on. And I remember we started with El Cayuco. And boy, you could talk about adrenaline and energy, Mario. I was, I was on fire. So the man started, and we come out, and we jam it. And all I remember at, throughout the whole number, the crowd was smiling and they looked like they were enjoying him. And every time I would spin around, I would look at Tito. And you know, Tito had that smile on his face. Yeah. So immediately I started to think, I said, I think he's liking it. I think he's liking it. But then I realized later on, Tito always played like that. Ah. <laughs> he always played with that smile, you know. So anyway, we did that number. He played two more numbers. We came out and then we did Palladium Days. That fast mambo? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. That was ba 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 da ba 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 da. Got it. So, so we were, and you know, when Tito plays live, he he really ups the tempo. Yes. So man, that tempo ba 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 da ba 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 da ra. Think of don gong 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 gong, and Maria and I were like, and we had red jumpsuits on with fringes, and yeah, we were we were going, and the crowd was like, wow, they were screaming. So as soon as it finished, um, I went back to the dressing room with Maria and I came back because I wanted to ask Tito what he thought. But when we came back to see Don't Tito, tell me he was gone. He, he, you know what it is? He had another commitment. <laughs> he had another commitment. So, so the, the one that I spoke to was his musical director, Jimmy Frisaro. And I said, Jimmy, where's Tito? He says, Tito had another commitment, Eddie. So I said, oh, man, I wanted to ask him what he thought about the act. And I said, do you think he liked it? He says, I, I don't know. He said, I liked it. He, <laughs> says, he says, but you know what? When you see him at the Corso on Sunday, ask him. So you believe I went with Maria to the Corso on Sunday, and I was afraid to ask him. Oh, my God. I was afraid because I said, man, if you say, yeah, it was okay. You, know, you had your shot. So I didn't say nothing. I just danced and said hello to him. And then that was Sunday. Now, the next day on Monday, Tito used to play in Queens in a, in a hotel called the Pan American Motel, which was connected with the airline. I heard about they, that. He, yeah. they, they used to let him play there every Monday. So Maria and I, we got in the car, we went to the Pan American just to hang out with him and, and to dance. Right. So as soon as Tito walks in and he sees us, he says, oh, Eddie, I didn't know you were going to be in tonight. If not, I would have asked you and Maria to perform your routines here. And I said, what? I said, for real? He said, yeah. I said, I'll be right back. So I ran to my car, opened the trunk. I had the costumes in the trunk. Wow. Oh, I said, about, be prepared because you never know, Mario. Never day. Yeah, I got my shoes in my car. You never know. 
So when I came, know. I came back as a Tito by, by, by coincidence, I happened to have my costumes in the trunk and he just laughed. He said, okay, get dressed. We're going to do the same thing we did at the Coliseum. Nice. And so then I, I started following him with Maria. We, if he was in Long Island, we go out to Long Island and the same thing. He says, you got your costume in the trunk? I said, no, I got it right here now. <laughs> so we were doing those two numbers here and there and here and there. And then one day, uh, after performing, you know, so many times with him in these clubs, he said, Eddie, give me your number. I got a, I got a big concert going to Philadelphia, and I want to invite you and Maria to perform with the band out there. So I would have to say from the debut of the New York Coliseum, which was 1979, yes. until, until the year 2000 that he passed, we had the honor and privilege of working with the Maestro Tito. That's amazing. Pero... Yeah. What, thank you. That's an amazing story. Um, and it's, it's an amazing coincidence that I was watching a video of you and Maria rehearsing 1979 in Liberta's Dance Studio in New okay. York City. Okay, yeah, that's, that? that's, right. yeah. that's right. Can I say, when I first met Eddie, I'm going back. Uh oh. I first went into the class. I told Don't go him, too far back because I got no, to bring no, no, my calculator out again. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> in October 1978, I first went to the class. That's where he asked me about the dance, and I did the Lelo Live. I went back to college because I went. I was trying to do the business administration back in Rockville, South Carolina. I came back in December 78. That's when I came in after, let's get this done, teach me, whatever. I met him December 12, 1978. Wow. January 1979, we were already dancing with Tito Puente. And for the first five years, I would say, we were known as the Tito Puente Dancers. Wherever he oh, went, wow. he wanted to right. name us the Tito Puente Dancers. And of course, he knew Eddie Torres' name, but he called me Victoria, <laughs> Maria. He called me Marie. I thought, hey, wait a minute, well, he's going to learn my name here, you know? But <laughs> No, you want to hear something funny. One day, uh, he's signing autographs, and he looks at Marie and says, would you like a, a, an autograph for my oh, picture? No, goes, and she goes, no. Oh my God! I, I can picture her saying that too. You know, this but she did it so cool. Goes, no, like, like nonchalant. Yeah, like it doesn't mean much to me. This, this is before I met. I found out who he was. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know right. who he was. No, no, but we we were blessed, and you know, as you know, Mario, we we did so much work with him. We got to perform all over, travel with him. Um, one of the big things I can, one of the big experiences that that I can say we had was when he asked us to do a tribute to Machito at the Apollo Theater. Yes. That, that is a story in itself, So, Mario. Eddie, before we get to the, that amazing Apollo story, what I want mm -hmm. everybody to hear, mm -hmm. um, just like Maria broke down um, her personal dance history when she was four, she was doing gymnastics, she was doing um, mm -hmm. uh, hustle. Yeah. How about yourself? How old were you? Um, did you ever take a dance class? Uh, what, what styles of dance were you personally involved in? Like your level of, of years and stages of, of dance. All right, let me say this. When I was, let's say, teenager, 12, 13 years old, the dance of the time that the teenagers were doing, besides the American dances they were doing, like uh, what was, was, was cool at the time, the boogaloo, and, but the Latin dance was very popular already with the teenagers. And what happened was, as I began, what happened was I didn't know anything about the mambo, or anything about the dance. And so I remember that I was in a neighborhood where there was this young lady. You, you, I call it my puppy love heartbreak story and how I started. 
And of course, I've Before said this story me. many, many times. But what happened was I wanted to, uh, to, to take this girl to the movies and get to know her. And so one day I asked her, I said, uh, could I interest you in going to the movies with me on Saturday? And she says, well, you have to come to my house and we have to talk to my mother. And then she gives you, okay, yeah, sure. So let me see if I can cut right through this to get right to the point. So I get to her house, I knock on her door, she opens the door and she had this look of fright on her face, like she saw a ghost. <laughs> and I said, are you okay, Renee? She goes, Eddie, I gotta tell you something. I said, what happened? She goes, right now my ex, ex-boyfriend is here. Oof. We broke, she says, we broke up, you know, we broke up. But he's here because he's trying to get back together with me. And I really don't want to get back together. But anyway, come in and, you know, I'm going to introduce you to him. So, you know, not to be rude. And then we'll talk to my mother and we'll go maybe to the movies. And I said, oh, wow, this is going to be awkward. So I go in and he's sitting on the couch. And do you think he was happy to meet me? Oh. <laughs> so as he introduces me to him and I'm sitting there and, and we're, all in her, we're in her living room. Her mother's in the kitchen cooking. And I remember that there was tension, and you could imagine, hmm. you know, because I didn't feel comfortable. I, mean, I know he wasn't happy to see me. So what she did to break up the tension, she asked me, Eddie, do you know how to dance mambo? And I didn't. I was just like Maria when she came to my, to my class. But since I didn't want to look stupid or, or act like I didn't know, so I said, yeah, of course. But I didn't know, Mario, she was going to put on some music and ask me to dance. Hmm. So she puts on music. I could probably tell you this. I probably stepped on her feet about five times within this attempt to dance with her. I had no clue of timing. I was doing like Maria, all this fuddy-duddy stuff. Double Dutch. And the guy, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Mario, the, 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 her ex-boyfriend, was. you could see that he had this look on his face like he wanted to burst out laughing. He, he was like... And, you know, I didn't realize I was making a fool out of myself. Uh, so so she, I didn't last a minute. After she saw I had no lead, no concert, she goes, Eddie, Eddie, um, let me show you how we dance. So she gets, he gets up and he starts dancing with her. And when I saw the coordination and the whole thing that you, I, I, I was sitting in the couch, Mario, I wanted to sink in and disappear through the couch. <laughs> That's how embarrassed I was. And, and, and now here to make this story a little shorter, she says, Eddie, you know what? I'm going to go with him and we're going to talk. And maybe next week, you know, you know, she says, I'm, I'm still going to not, I'm not going to be with him. I'm going to leave him. So maybe next week you and I get together. But I knew what that meant. <laughs> I knew that that was you struck out. You know what I mean? Thanks for coming. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she left with him and she left me with her mother and her mother was so embarrassed by oh, the way this went down. So she says, Eddie, I'm so sorry, man. She invited you here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she says, why don't you at least have lunch with me? And, 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 and but she, she, stopped, she kept apologizing. I said, no, I played it off, Mario, like it was no big deal. But I was brokenhearted. All right? So you see, that's the story that I'm looking for, right? Okay. Because there's something that influences and, and just creates that transformation, that light switch. Say, you know what? I want to, I wanna, there's, a, there's a learning lesson here. There's a learning curve. So you can say that's, that's when your birth of dance really started? Let me tell you, man, if it wasn't for that experience, I would have never discovered that I had a little talent for the dance. Awesome. And that I was going to really enjoy and love this dance. So when I went home, Mario, the only thing that I had in my mind was I'm going to learn this dance and I'm going to learn it well. And Good. this will never, I will never let me be in a position where this will happen to me again. So I had a sister who knew how to dance. 
Mario, the moment I bust through the door, I drove her crazy. I said, sis, sis, look, this happened to me. You got to help me, blah, blah, blah. And she says, I'm not no dance instructor. He says, you got to learn like we all do. You have to go to house parties and watch and imitate. That's how we learn. So I said, okay. So she tried to help me, but she didn't have much patience with me. <laughs> so after, after a while, she goes, no, no, no. I'm going to take you to house parties, and you're going to watch, and you're going to imitate and learn like we do. Because back in the day, Mario, nobody had any There was concept. no schools of Latin, was, right? And not only that, there was no one, two, three, five, six, seven. There was no right. kind of structure. All right? right. So that, that comes later. Now, um, I started to pick up and learn and learn from my friends. And, and about 10 years after this experience, Mario, I was already out there with the best. I was in the clubs and, and I was already, I would say, amongst the great, the good dancers socially. And so one night, I remember after the Corso, sometimes we would go to an after hour, which the club opened up at five in the morning. Wow. And you'd stay there all day if you wanted to. And, and in those days, you know, uh, those, those uh, after hours, they had those, those ultraviolet lights. You know, because everybody there was either on cocaine or, or, or they were like, uh, they were breaking night so it was a very dark atmosphere i happened to go that night all dressed in white i had white pants white shoes white shirt you must have lit up oh what (laughs) (laughs) you walked in like jesus i looked like a spotlight on the floor (laughs) and so and so i was there with my sister right so i'm dancing and all of a sudden my sister runs up to me and she grabs me and she goes eddie 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 and she pulls me off the dance floor. I said, sis, you crazy? I'm in the middle of a jam here. She goes, no, no, no. You're not going to believe this. I said, what? She goes, you remember that girl that broke your heart about, what, 10 years ago? I said, no. She goes, she's here. Nice. She knew my sister. So when, when, wow. she, when she saw my sister and she saw me like a light bulb on the dance floor, she asked her, she goes, who's that guy dancing? And my sister, being a street girl, she played it off. She went, oh, I know him. Would you like to meet him and maybe dance with him? <laughs> she goes, yeah, I would like to dance with him. So when, that's when my sister came over and told me the story. She goes, Eddie, I cannot wait to see the look on this girl's face when she realizes it's you. So I said, no, no, no. I, I want to dance with this girl. So I go over to her, and she's sitting down at the table. When I got close enough for her to realize, she goes, uh, Renee, this is my brother, Eddie. Eddie, this is Renee. And when she saw who I was, she goes, oh, my God. So I asked Emilia, I said, uh, can we dance? And she kept on saying, no, 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 no. And I said, no, no, I don't want. She thought maybe, Mario, what I was thinking, she thought maybe I was going to get her on the dance floor and embarrass her. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to show her that I did learn to dance and thank, I wanted to actually thank her. Thank her, right. I said, right. because if that incident never happened, I would have never gotten into the dance. So here I am for five minutes, practically begging her. And my sister's standing there. And after my sister saw that I, I, I kept asking, she kept saying no. My sister said, look, don't beg her. Come, I'll dance with you. So I went on the floor and I danced. But I told her, sis, I got to go back. I got to dance with this girl. I have to bring closure to this. I have to let her know. And who knows if she, may, if she likes the way I dance, maybe I can take her to the movie still, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a movie. This is one of those Walt Disney movies. Oh, so as I go back to the table to ask her, she had gone. She Uh, picked up her pocketbook and she split. I have not seen her since that day till today. And I said, if she only knew that I really wanted to thank her. 
I want to say, man, if that experience never happened, I would have never started with the interest and the passion yeah. for learning this. I'm curious to know who she is, her name, because <laughs> we, we want to thank her. I mean, even myself, yeah. I'm like, wow, because of you, it nip his talents to see that, oh, I have this talent, you know? Mario, haven't you noticed that sometimes in life things happen and there's a reason behind it? Correct. Her wrong was your right. And you want um, to thank her for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah. truly... I believe it was not a coincidence. No. No, no. not a coincidence. So we, then we anyway, that's, that's how I started. I was about 13 years old. And then I got so into this dance and I started liking it so much that at the age of 16, I remember my friends from junior high school, they would say, Eddie, can you meet us tonight at, at, the, at the center and, and maybe teach us some of these steps and everything? And that's what I did. I, I, I would meet with my friends and I would start teaching them steps with no timing, just, you know, just street stuff. Hey, you cross here, blah blah blah, and, and tumbao, yeah, yeah. There was no no structure at all, at all. Now hold but up, I, hold up. How'd you get into the club? I just thought about it. Well, don't, don't don't forget, I was thirteen years old. I used to do house parties until about the age of twenty. Okay. Okay. Um, and 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 that's when I started going to the corso. Got it. And that's when I started seeing Tito Puente play live. Got it. But also, Mario, a lot of people don't know there was a club in the Bronx. Back in the 60s, it was called the Hunts Point Palace. Palace, yep. And that club would open up every Sunday at 12 o'clock in the afternoon to 12 o'clock at night. And they would allow, even though um, they, they didn't allow real young people, but if you were like 17, and you were, they would allow you to get in. And then at a certain time, they would chase you out because they started selling liquor. And, and I remember, and this club, oh my goodness, I would not miss a Sunday. This was a huge ballroom. And check this out, Mario. In those days, $5. For $5, you would go into the Hunts Point Palace and you would dance to five top bands. And I'm not even Oof. exaggerating. For example, this was a, a main stage, like a ballroom with a big stage. And then on the side of the ballroom, they had a small stage. So you'd walk in, for example, and you'd have Ricardo Ray playing Oof. on the main stage. And then when he'd finished, the DJ would play for about 15 minutes just to allow the next band on the smaller stage to set up. Then on the smaller stage, you would have Ray Barreto, okay? Then after he'd finished, back to the big band, then you would have Eddie Palmieri. I mean, this was, I, now that I think of it, I said, what can you get these days for $5? Oh my God, nothing, nothing. But back in the 60s, $5 was money. I mean, it was like the, the Palladium days, right? You had Machito, Tito Puente, T Tito Rodriguez. Exactly. That's, exactly. that's bananas. And you know what was, I, I, I think about it, the way they, they, they were able to succeed financially is because this place held like a thousand people, maybe, yes. maybe more. Yes. So at, at $5 a head, you, you, you do the math, you know, they were able to pay the bands and make some money. And so that was my, that was my stomping grounds. That was my, 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 all my experience from the street dance came from hanging out at the, Hunts Point Palace. And then one of the features that they had was they started doing dance contests. Mm. And if you won the dance contest, Mario, you would get $25, right, for the couple. And then besides the dance contest, they would feature something that was really, it was hilarious, but it was fun. They would, they would set up a table across the stage and yeah. with these chairs and then they would put an apple pie in front of every chair. Oh, no. So they had what they called the pie-eating contest. Uh. 
where you had to put your hands like this down, you couldn't touch it, and you had to try to eat the pie with your face like this, and the first one who finished was the winner. So I remember this funny story, because I had a partner at that time, this girl that I, I, would, uh, I was going out with, and I would put routines together every week. I'd go to her house, we'd put a little routine together, we'd dress up with a nice little costume, and I won that contest 13 weeks straight. Ooh. Wow! Because I was, I was, I was, and I'm, I was on a mission. I said, "No, no, no! I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn this dance well." So every week, so one week, I remember a friend of mine came up to me. He says, "Eddie, man, can you do me a favor today?" I said, "What, Joey?" He said, "I, I have a nice routine, man, and if you don't perform today in the dance concert, I have a good chance of winning. Can you lay out today and give me a, sh a shot?" And I said, "You know what? I'm gonna do that." So instead of dancing. In the dance contest, what I did, I joined the pie eating contest. Nice. Mario, I have never had so much fun in my life. <laughs> I mean, just, just to cut to the chase, when I finished, I had pie in my eye, in my ear, on my hair. And I, I was like, ah! <laughs> and I, all, I, all I remember is laughing, and the people were loving it because it was really hysterical. Wow. So, so now, and, then, and then to top that off, my friend won the contest. Ah, nice, nice. <laughs> so, now, you, you mentioned a lot of street dancing, a lot of street knowledge, obviously, and of course, the, the salsa came through. Were mm -hmm. there anything in between that you were also learning, possibly hustle, jazz, maybe break dancing, which was huge in the 70s and 80s as well? You know what? I got to tell you like this, uh, Mary. Until today, my specialty has been only the mambo, although with the mambo in the 60s came those fad dances, which was called the boogaloo, and then the bachanga came in. So those were the three dances that I remember learning and specializing in, and I didn't want to dance anything else. As a matter of fact, as you know, in the early 70s, the Latin hustle came to New York, and that, that caught everybody by storm. It actually it actually took over. Everybody in New York was starting to learn to hustle. And of course they had movies that, that would feature hustle dancing. And then they had these things like Dance Fever and, and all these programs that were featuring hustle dancing. So hustle became the new kid on the block. And I realized that then I said, man, if I abandon the mambo and go into the hustle, I got a feeling the mambo's gonna die. It's not gonna survive because everybody was doing the hustle. Mm -hmm. So I determined myself at that time, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to try to keep this alive. That's when I met Maria. But we were already working with Tito, like I said, since 79. And I remember Tito, one of the things, because Tito helped us a lot. He would tell the people, he said, listen, he said, I got to let you know that our Eddie and Maria are the, are the last uh, of the Mohegans. They said, everybody's now either from the Palladium, they're probably retiring. The only one that was still around was Freddie Rios. Mike Ramos was still around, and a few others. All right, guys. So to help with some context, Freddie Rios and Mike Ramos, known as the Palladium Mambo Legends, started dancing together in the 1950s in the Palladium Ballroom in New York City. Mike Ramos was not only a backup vocalist for many legendary artists, including El Gran Combo, he was also a choreographer for many of the artists that gave us the beautiful music we love to listen to today. Freddie Rios, on the other hand, is an amazing choreographer, but known for his phenomenal footwork and his mambo craze. Thank you, Freddie, for giving us the pachanga and helping Eddie Torres and so many other dancers out there 
their confidence to build in their pachanga dancing. All right, guys, let's continue our conversation with Eddie and Maria Torres. But he says, you know what? If you, if you don't send your kids to Eddie and Maria's school to learn, this dance is going to die. And if the dance dies, the music is going to probably die also. So he would encourage the people to come take classes with us. Nice. And, and this was it, during the high point of the hustle. And I got to tell you this, um, I could not even get into the hustle clubs to offer a free show because everything was hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm. But there was one dancer, I don't know if you ever heard of the name Eddie Vega. Oh, Sounds God. familiar. Oh my God. You know what? Let me tell you something. Eddie. Billy Fajardo is one of the greats, but Eddie Vega, just to give you an example of how great this guy was, he went on that program called Star Search. Yeah. He won every week from the beginning all the way to the championship. He won like, I don't know how many, 10, 12 times straight. And then he won the championship with like $100,000. Wow. You know what I mean? So he was known as the, the, the real, he was the prince and the king of the hustle. And when he passed, because he died young, he died of AIDS. And, and they, they, uh, they did a tribute to him on the Spanish channel. They talked about him. You know how they addressed him? They said he was considered the Mikhail Barishnikov of the hustle world. Wow. And, you know, that's a big name. That's huge. No, so they said that's the way they looked at him. And now that I said this, go on YouTube and check him out, and you'll see why I brag about him so much. Yes. Just like Billy. Billy was one of the phenomenal dancers, too, at the time. But, and, and actually, they got a chance. They, they formed a group called the Dance Dimensions. And Billy was, was, I think, the director. And Eddie was in it. And all these great, like, six couples. And they were all good, Mario. They were all excellent wow. dancers. So now, what happened was, the people that knew that I was sticking to the mambo, even my friends who, who, who were mambo dancers, and they started getting into hustle, they would tell me, Eddie, leave that mambo, man. That's, that's oh, passe, that's old. He said, get into the hustle, man. And I said, listen, I'm going to tell you what. I'm staying right here. I said, because, you know, at some point when this fad blows over and you guys get tired of the hustle, I'm going to see all of you in my classes getting back to the roots and, and to your roots of mambo dancing. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure enough, Mario, after 15 years of the hustle, all of a sudden a movie called Salsa was released. Yeah. A movie Dirty Dancing was released. Yeah. Dance With Me and then the Mambo Kings. Yes. That was a, now the turning point. Because mm -hmm. now people started saying, okay, now they started getting back to the mambo, but at that point, it was not being called the Mambo anymore. Now they changed the name to Salsa. Okay, and that's a whole other story. Um, I remember this. There was a club, you know, the club SOB? Sounds yes, like yeah, still there, yeah. Well, when the movie Mambo Kings came out, remember that the musicians in the movie had the rumba sleeves? Yes. I had my band already, the Mambo Kings Orchestra, right? Yes. So I would dress them like that with all the rumba sleeves, try to make it a show band. And since this guy, the owner of, of SOBs, knew that I had a band like this, he called me up. He says, Eddie, I want you to work in my club for one year every Monday night. And I'm going to feature your band. And I want you to do floor shows, two sets every Monday. He says, and I'd like to call your, your orchestra La Tropica, just to give it a tropical right. uh, uh, sound. Right. So, yeah. So, so he, he hired me. And every Monday, we would go in there. And we would do two sets and we would do floor shows with the band. And that place, I got to tell you, 
they had the they had the at a certain time they had to close the doors because the place was so packed they had to turn people away it was like palladium time right so um that was the turning point all of a sudden everybody that was doing hustle started coming back to the mambo Nice. And I would welcome them in my class. I said, ah, you're back home now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, so exactly. I, that's one thing I feel really good about because I think had Maria and I not determined, as a matter of fact, let me tell you this, we could not get gigs. So Eddie Vega, who was a good friend of mine, he would call me up. He said, Eddie, I know things are hard for you right now, Maria. I'm going to be performing at a club called Xenons tonight. I wow. want you to, he said, I want you to come with Maria. And in between my set where I do my number and I change, I want you, Maria, to do a mambo, and I'm going to pay you. So he would do that. Every once in a while, he'd call me, Eddie, I'm going to be here. And so he, and he would tell the people, say, hey, the mambo's a beautiful dance, and you guys should also, besides learning, doing the hustle, you should also learn how to do salsa. Yeah. So there was a, a, a studio that he would dance at with his, and Eddie was like the Pied Piper. Wherever he went, he had an entourage of like three or 400 people, they will yeah. follow him. Now, Eddie was tall, right? Like really tall? Eddie, well, when you see him, he had the perfect body. He was like the Alvin Ailey perfect body. And he was a great looking guy. He had a charisma that I'm telling you, this guy was Eddie like a, a real prince. I believe I saw him, yeah, I believe I saw him. Yeah, and so, and, and, and he was so, I mean, he was a command performer. When he get on that stage, when you competed against him, you, your best hope was that you would win second place because yes. <laughs> this guy was like unbeatable, man. Yes. This guy was, the, he was amazing. So um, at, at, a, at a studio called Alexis Dance Studio, every Monday night, he would be there. And Mario, they had two rooms. They had the hustle room and they had the Latin room, the, the mambo room. Well, there was about 400 people in the hustle room. And you know who was in the Latin room? Eddie and Maria, period. <laughs> and so you know what he would do? When he'd come in and say hello to me, he saw that my room was empty, he would go and he would stop everybody in the hustle room and, and tell them, you're, now you're going to come with me and we're going to take a little lesson with Eddie and Maria. Nice. That was his, his way of trying to help me during those hard times. Yeah. Nice. Now, and I, I can never forget. And he died very young, man, but what a beautiful, beautiful cat this Eddie Vega was. Everybody who's listening in, we have to remind them: look up Eddie Vega. It's a must. Look up. And his partner was Lisa Nunziella, and they were amazing. And you want to hear this? Lisa, before she started teaming up to dance with Eddie, she was training with me to be my dance partner. Oh wow! And after about a year, since we were not getting any gigs, there was no market at that time for what we were doing. She told me, she says, Eddie, man, she says, I'd love to keep doing this, but we, you know, we're not going anywhere with this. So I told her, I said, listen, because she told me that Eddie Vega had asked her to, tr- uh, to train with him. Mm-hmm. I told her, I said, listen, go with Eddie, because I'm sure with Eddie, you're going to do well. Now, when you see them perform, you're going to see that that was, one, that was one of the best things that ever happened for her, because nice. she was phenomenal. Was you remember point. the movie, The Mask? Where yeah. They, where he's spinning this girl and yeah. growing up? That was her. Oh my God! Okay, she did. Yeah. The, she did the double for 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 this girl, Cameron Diaz. Oh wow! Okay, that was her. Lisa Nunziella, Italian, she beautiful talent, very yes. very talented girl, and very dedicated. Yes. Okay, so then of course when the when the the whole thing changed back to the mambo, um, man, my classes started getting packed. And people, now this was what the eighties, was it? This was like I would say, um, yeah. 
Yeah, starting 80s? in the 80s was, was the turnaround. Yeah. Now, was this before or after the Apollo tribute? This was before. Before, before. okay. Before, Maybe because before. Um, the, the Apollo tribute happened in 1987, Mario. Late 80s, got it. Do you want me to talk about the Apollo now or what? Uh, if we're going to go in order, I don't want to skip that. Dimelo <laughs> Maria. You know, I got to put in my little... <laughs> of course. You know, for, for Eddie's an artist, so he's constantly... Hey, I'm the one behind him. So this happened <laughs> this day, this happened that day. Now, in the 80s, when we started getting uh, uh, dances from the hustle from Eddie Vegas that came from Retro Soul, we were asked by Aaron and Tammy Stevens from Pasadena, California. They uh they were doing jitterbug or the swing. Yeah, they did ballroom dances, but they also specialized in and jitterbug and jive and swing. So they came up to our classes and they love our classes. And they approached Eddie and Eddie, I would love to bring you to Pasadena, California, but you have to invert your technique and teach on one. Mm. Let me tell you so what happened for there. For seven years, we she, did that. When, when she called me up, she said, Eddie, do you think you can transpose your shines that are on two and teach them on one. And I said, yeah, I think I could do that. She goes, can I invite you, Maria, to come down and teach a workshop and, and, and teach your shines on one? So we go, we, we go to Pasadena, right? Yeah, we go to Pasadena, California. And uh, as, we, as we're there, we have people from Seattle, Washington, everywhere. We had like three to 400 people <laughs> in that weekend, like a big gym. It was a big studio. Big it, studio. Was a, it was a church, Pasadena Church. And in behind the, the church, there was a stage and a big floor, three to 400 students wow. uh, per weekend. And we did that for several years. Teaching uh, Mary, you want to hear something funny? Dimelo. So here I am. I start to break down my shines. And I'm telling people that this is on one, right? So I start teaching. And, and as I'm teaching, at some point, I turn around just to see how they're doing. And nobody's dancing. Everybody's standing there looking at me. And I said, listen, how, how come you guys are not dancing? And one of the students jumped up. He said, Eddie, with all due respect, your mouth is on one, but your feet are on oh two. Oh, my God. <laughs> I said, I think my body just refused yeah, exactly. to dance anything exactly. but two. Because exactly. that's all I ever danced. Yeah. That's awesome. So it took me about a good half hour to get the adjustment to start breaking down things correctly on the oh, one. And I never forgot that because I was so, I, I mean, I oh, laughed, I laughed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the so, funny thing is dancing on one is like the Suzy Q on two starts with the right foot, the Suzy Q on one starts with the left foot. Yeah, so yeah, everything yeah. was backwards, you know? Yeah, and it was a challenge, it was a challenge, but we got it done. Like you asked him before, if he ever studied any type of dance, Eddie never taken a dance class ever in his life. Wow. Funny because I, I, I helped him take care of his mom until the day she passed. And uh, she would tell me all these stories so I can help Eddie reminisce his history where one time he was like 10, 12 years old. Imagine, if you see that picture of him in the uh, Facebook as a lifeguard, you were like 17 years old then? Maybe 19, 19. So he's already five foot eight at 17, gorgeous like that. He still looks like that. He still looks like that. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, his mother would tell me all these stories. And I would say, look, honey, this is what your mom shared with me because he's the youngest of four and he's a child that from La Cuna, he was always, you know, moving his oh, hair and saying he would, you know. Yeah, my mother, would, my mother would say that when she put on um, Tito's music, I would grab the crib and roll my hips like I this. Twerking. So, I was twerking. So you <laughs> invented the twerk. Right? <laughs> yeah, twerking. So the, hip, the hip roll started at the Cuna, Mario, the, the, from the crib. From the crib. Yeah. 
You know, you, you bring up a, a valid point, Maria. So I'm sure a lot of people probably are questioning how, how was the two created from the one, right? Or what came first? The one, the two, the two, the one? Are they the same? All right. You want me to answer that? Because I'm going to tell you how this whole teaching started. Yeah. Before I met Maria, 16 years old, I had already, because remember, my friends would ask me every week to get together and teach them. So I like teaching because I was making new friends and it was a cool thing. And they would look at me as the teacher. So at some point I said, I'm going to start a dance class. Now, I lived on 120th Street between 1st and 2nd Avenue in Manhattan, Spanish Harlem. And then on 116th Street, which is a famous record store. I don't know if you heard of Casa Latina. Of course. Actually, are they still around? Oh, yeah. They're still around. Yeah, right? Casa Latina? Yeah, yeah. 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 Vincent and Cristina. And across the street from them, there was a, a place where they would have weddings. They would have weddings. So the owner of that place, he wanted to learn how to dance. So he, wor he worked the deal out with me. He said, Eddie, you come here and you use my, my studio the, where, where people will go for their wedding uh, receptions. He says, and uh, I'll take classes while you're teaching. And you don't have to pay me. And, and, and that's it. I said, perfect. So I remember in those days, the way I would start teaching, I had a, a young guy who used to play the conga, who was actually my sister's boyfriend. His name was Ralphie. So I said, Ralphie, can you come to my class and play the tumbao for me? So I could ex start explaining to the students how to start dancing to the conga. And this is what I knew. I didn't know one, two, three, five, six, seven. I had no theory or no, uh, no uh, education in that. In so that it was department. just a natural feeling? All I know is that, that, that every time that he would play that tumba, on that slap, which was the accented beat, I know that I was breaking forward with my left foot, and then I would break back. Wow. Later on, I found out that that slap on the tumba was on two. Two. Yeah. So two and was, six, yeah. Well, you know what? People think six is different, but you know what? It's As mu musicians don't count like like dancers, where they don't count from one to eight, they right. count from one to four. Right. So the two and the six are the same. Yes. Amen. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I, I would teach people, and I and um, uh, the amazing thing is, I was getting results. People were actually learning these steps and and, and stuff. With that method, with that nice. organic method, you could say. And then later on, I met, which, which every time I talk about history, I says, I will never do a history lesson without mentioning and giving credit to where credit is due. And I tell young people, I said, never forget where you came from and never, never forget to give credit to those who helped you get to where you are. Yes. And so June Liberta was a dancer who used to go to the Palladium every Wednesday, and whenever they had a dance, she was there. I met her at the Corso, Mario. I saw this lady dancing, and she had all this style and all this feeling and all this soul, and I asked her to dance. From the first dance that I danced with her, I simply fell in love with her style and dancing with her. Nice. So every week, we would meet at the Corso, and I would dance with this lady half the night. It got to the point where I loved dancing with her so much because I used to dance with everybody, everybody. But when I met June, I got so fascinated with her style and the way she, I would, would connect with her. Out of, I would dance like eight of them with her. Wow. And, so, and so the young ladies that knew me at the time, they would come up to me and they say, yo, Eddie, what's this, what's this idea of you dancing with grandma here all night? Because she was like 20 or more years older than me. 
and says, and you leaving us hanging out here to dry, you know, we're waiting to dance with you. And you're out there with grandma dancing all night. <laughs> so, you know, when they, when I saw that they started to attack her with those insults, I said, you don't want to know something? I said, you're good looking, you're young, you dance, but she's got more flavor in her pinky wow. than all of you put together. That lady's got soul. So you leave me alone dancing with grandma, and that's, that was what it was. And so they would, they would get all, all upset with me. But I, like I said, I, I love dancing with June Liberta. So at some point, when June Liberta, uh, I shared with her my dream of working with Tito and everything. She says, you know, Eddie, I can help you. She says, I would like to invite you to come to my studio and teach there. But I'm going to have to impart and teach you the theory structure so that you can learn how to teach with this technique and this theory and this infrastructure that, that I would like to teach you. And I said, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, I'm going to teach you about timing, dancing on two, and blah, blah, blah. And, and when she first approached me with this whole idea, I, I, I came out like this. I said, dude, I can't be counting no numbers while I'm dancing. Because I didn't understand. She said, no, silly. It's not numbers. It's music. It's music theory applied to dance. I says, right now, you're telling me you want to dance with Tito, right? I said, yeah. I said, well, if you know that Tito graduated from Juilliard, one of the best music schools in New York City. And if you're gonna dance and, and work with him, he's gonna speak to you in musical terms. And if you don't know what a measure is, what a quarter beat is, but uh, what the claves are, I, I doubt that he's gonna give you a chance to work with him. So she got me with that. Mm. She told me that, I said, oh, okay. So every week before I would teach the class, she would sit me down an hour before the class and I would have my, my notebook and my pencil and I would take all notes and she would say, well, look, this is a, uh, um, uh, this is the staff. This is uh, a, a measure four four timing. This is men's timing. This is ladies timing. This is the clave three, two. This is the clave uh, two, three. And she would, every week she would impart the science. At first I can tell you, cause I was never good at math. So I, I found it quite challenging. After a while, as I started to, apply what she was teaching me. I said, wow, this is cool. Because now I have a scientific approach on how to explain what I'm doing to students instead of saying, cross your right foot over the left and come back. So I realized that what she was teaching me was what the same infrastructure that they use for ballroom dancing. Because uh -huh. she was a ballroom teacher, Mario. Uh -huh. She taught every, every dance in the ballroom and she was so good. She was like the encyclopedia of ballroom dancing. And, and she told me, she says, Eddie, once you learn this, trust me, you're going to revolutionize the entire Latin dance community. And this was back in the early 70s. Yeah. And I said, yeah, whatever. Little did I know that every time I traveled around the world and I hear one, two, three, five, six, seven, cross by the lead, breaking on two shines, that all, all of it came from her. From A lot of these youngsters don't even know where the whole thing got started. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Nice, yes. nice. See, so that's I, what people need to hear. They need to understand where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. So when they say, Eddie, you invented the two, I said, no, 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 no. Let me educate you. Yes. The two was imparted to me by June Liberta. She was an Italian woman. And, and she, she did it out of love because she said, Eddie, you have a talent. All you need is education. And believe it or not, I truly believe that if I did not learn what she taught me, Mario, I may never have gotten as far as working with Tito. Because yeah. by the time I taught Maria, I already knew all this. Got you know? it. All right, guys. 
Let's just take a moment to reflect. June Liberta saw a natural talent in Eddie Torres. Eddie Torres had a foundation. However, Eddie needed some structure, a curriculum, and some motivation to put that all together. June Liberta helped Eddie Torres create the on-to curriculum, which most of us dance to today. All right, guys, let's continue our conversation with Eddie and Maria Torres. And she trusted you, right? Oh, who? June. Oh, you know what she said is she says, I'm an instrument in your path. And you know what she did, Mario? You know those videos that you get a chance to see on my fan page from 1979? Yeah, yeah. This was her. In those days, she had what they call a Super 8 camera. Not a video camera. Super 8, which had these little reels, like movie yes. reels. Yes. And, and the first camera she had did not have sound. That's like I'm a lot of times when I put up one without sound, the people write me back and say, Eddie, but where's the sound? Then I have to explain to them. In those days, her first camera did not have sound. Mm. Then later on, the one with sound came out, and then she kept recording with sound. And, and every time I was at the studio, whether teaching or rehearsing with Maria, she'd be behind the camera filming. She, she used to actually get me upset because everywhere I went and everything I did, she started recording. And I said, June, put the damn camera down and let's dance, honey. What's this, all this filming and all this everywhere I go? You've, she goes, shut up. She says, one day you're going to understand what I'm doing. So sure enough, um, she passed away because another thing, she was a chronic smoker. Chain smoker. She would smoke every five minutes. She was on a cigarette. And I used to get upset. I said, put that away, man. I said, you're killing yourself. Now, anyway. Eddie, so, she was, so she was the camera woman behind that video, the Apollo video of you opening up the sequence? No, 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 no. no. That was another. That was another lady who was in the in the film making uh, business. Her, uh, her name was Catherine Calderon, and her husband, which is an actor, I don't know if you know the name Paul Calderon. Yeah, yeah, he's done many movies. He was one of my dancers. Oh my gosh! Okay, now one day when June passes passed away, I get a call from a good friend of her named Rose Gerard, and she told me, she says, Eddie. Uh, you know that June passed, and of course I was brokenhearted because this woman was she was very special. She was a special person. Yeah, she never got married. She dedicated her entire life to dance. Yes. She says she left you a package. She left you something she wants you to have. So I went and I met her at her studio, and she comes out with this box like this big. And when I opened the box, it was every film that she ever recorded, nice. documented where, the time, the place. The and day. she told me, says June says. This is going to one day serve you to share your history with the world. So she already knew, like I said, it was, it, she was already destined to be in my path. That's a beautiful know. story. Yeah, yeah. Oh but God. it's the truth, man. And, and so that's how come now uh, I had these films for years. And, and as I would travel around the world, I would tell people, I said, listen, one day I'm going to start uploading all these old videos so you guys can get a little bit of history of where I came from, how I started with Marie and everything. And so one day my daughter, Nadia, she gave me for Christmas. Our daughter. She gave me a, a Christmas present of a little transformer that you would take from the VHS, from the, from the what do you call it, the, the VHS player? Yeah. You will plug it from there to your computer and, uh, and you, can, you can transform everything right nice. onto the computer and, and upload it. So forget about it. When I when when I first got that, I locked myself up in my room, right, Maria, for about a month. 
Maria didn't even see me. I was going through all the videos and saying, I want to put this up. I want to share this. And so Maria would say, okay, when you finish this mess that you're making, she says, then I'll come in and I'll organize everything again. Videos and tips everywhere. I had to be careful where I'm stepping. <laughs> I had a little corner like this to go to sleep in. Yeah, because I, I wanted to share. I wanted to share everything. And as people started seeing this stuff, because I had told them, I said, one day I'm going to do this. And what happened was, you know, because I didn't have time, because I was doing those years too, I was very busy traveling and sharing the dance around the world. But there came a time when I was home for like, like two or three months. And I said, this is the time after I got that transformer for me to take the opportunity to start sharing. And as you, as you know, Mario, I don't know if you follow what I put on my fan page, but in the last three months since this uh, pandemic started, there's no, nothing else to do. There's plenty of time to do all these things that you didn't have time to do. Right. Like so now I'm going, I'm going, Maria says, oh no, here we go again. I was stuck taking all the videos out of the boxes and out of the shelves. Yes. And, and so right now, I, I, I did it for like another two weeks. I told Maria, okay, I'm going to give you a break. I'm not going to do any uploading the house? for another two months at least. <laughs> but th- this, is, th- this is, goes to show you that everything that I, uh, uh, that I share, if it wasn't for June Liberta having that vision to say, hey, right. I'm going to help this guy document his history yes. so he could share it with the Latin dance community. Now, Eddie, share with everybody where they can uh, find these videos and they can uh, look it up. Okay, I have a fan page called Eddie Torres Mambo King on Facebook. And then I have my profile uh, page, which I actually upload on both. So it's either Eddie Torres Mambo King or just Eddie Mambo King. Simple as that. So if they go on Facebook on those two sites, they can see videos. And when I post them, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy when people reply or they comment. They say, wow, Eddie, this is awesome, man. Because it's like taking a ride back with you in time yes. and seeing how this whole thing got started, you know. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I tell people, I say, you know, the one, two, three, five, six, seven wasn't always around. No. And as a matter of fact, Mario, when I, when I started to share my dreams and my vision, to work with Tito. I used to share this with my mother. I said, mom, one day I'm gonna work with Tito Puente and I'm gonna travel around the world and I'm, I'm going to dance for a president. And she used to tell me, mijo, she said, wake up. She said, wake up. She said, she said, wake up. She says, there's no market. How are you gonna do this? And I remember I would look, I said, mom, your son is gonna help create this market that awesome. I'm talking about. Because I was determined to one day show that and prove to the world that this dance was so beautiful that it had to be considered an art form and it had to be respected just as ballet and, and, and modern dance and all these classic dances, jazz. I said, I want to see Mambo one day reach that level where people would look at it and have the respect and admire it for an art form. You know? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've I've had many conversations with uh, you know Barbara Craddock, uh, Millie oh, Donnelly, yeah. uh, yeah. Kevin Pete, uh, Carlos Cha Cha Taps, and um, you know always trying to pick their brain. And you know it, they never counted either in, in the Palladium. It was all you know, Clave. 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 That's right. Yeah, that was exactly all right. All right. So we, we you know we touched up on the roots, obviously, where you and Maria are from, and, and your uh, your dance careers and your dance background, obviously. Uh, amazing information, especially with your experience with uh, Tito Puente. 
Uh, you shared a little bit about um, you know working with the uh, the um, the tribute to Machito and at the Palladium. Now was at the that Apollo. at, at the Apollo. Apollo? I'm sorry, at the Apollo Palladium. Oh my God! So was that the birth of the Eddie Torres dance troupe? Exactly, exactly right, Mario. As a matter of fact, a lot of people may not know this, but my my dance company, I would have to say that was the second dance company that formed in New York City. Because before I formed my dance company, there was a guy named George Basconis, and he had a group called the Latin Symbolics. Oh, man, yeah. You, you heard about that? Yes. So George, although he never did a lot of commercial things, but he was one of the first guys who had the idea of forming a dance troupe in New York City. And, and, and George himself, man, God rest his soul. George was the kind of guy that you would see him at the Hunts Point Palace on Sundays, and he would teach you right there while everybody's social dancing. He would grab the guys to a corner, and he would teach them turn patterns, and he would teach them steps. So I would have to say George was the first and the pioneer of forming a dance troupe in New York City called the Latin Symbolics. Now, the whole thing with Tito, with, with the attribute to Machito started one night when Tito calls me at 12 o'clock midnight. Wow. And, I, and I'm home with Maria. And I remember that night, Mario, it was raining, but raining hard. Cats and dogs. And, and Tito says, Eddie, I got a special project for you. I need you to meet me at a place called Voices. It was a club in the Bronx on Tremont Avenue. He says, I have a very special tribute, uh, a very special project. I want to do a tribute to Machito. And I want you to meet me at the, at the, at the club in the parking lot. And I'm going to tell you all about it. So I got in my car. I drove to, to Voices. I got out of my car and got into Tito's car. And he told me, Eddie, I just got back from California. I recorded this tune called Machito Forever. Oh, wow. Machito yeah. Forever. He says, now I want to do a tribute to him at the Apollo but I want a lot of dancers. I want a big production because he loved, he loved Machito. He's, he was a, a real friend of Machito's. All right, guys. So to help with some context, Machito being the influential artist to bring us Afro-Cuban jazz and Cubop, which is the merge of Afro-Cuban music and Bebop, which was influential by Dizzy Gillespie, we're talking about an iconic fig figure who was also part of the Palladium Big Three Orchestra, which was competitive weekly at the Palladium um, between Tito Puente, Machito, and Chito Rodriguez. So help us understand how memorable and how legendary was the honor and the opportunity to perform for a Machito tribute at the Apollo Theater with the legendary Tito Puente, who was right there competing and performing with Machito. So I looked at him and said, Tito, I'll be honest with you. The only choreography that I've done so far with you is with Maria. I know how to choreograph for two people. He says, but you want me to put a lot of people together? He says, yes, I want a big group. I want something real powerful and real. She says, because that Machito deserves that. And I said, well, Tito, I, I, I can only tell you that I will try my best. And he looked at me, he says, I know you're going to do it. He says, I believe you can do it. So he gave me the cassette. And I got to tell you, man, when he, when he first put it, the cassette in his car, and then I started listening to this tune, and you know the tune, it starts off with these trombones going, bah, 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 the saxophone, bah. And I, the first thing I said is, what the hell am I going to do 
with a number that starts like that. Ba 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 be and then ba da ba be and of course when it broke into the mamba, I said, Yeah, that I can do. But I had no clue what I was gonna do with that intro. So what I did for at least a month or so, I went to all the clubs because Mario, I knew everybody. I knew all the dancers, the good, bad, the ugly. I knew them all. All right. <laughs> and so I said, I'm going to, I'm going to get together an army of dancers and see what we could do with this project. So I would go to the clubs and if, if I, if I, if I saw Maria and I knew she could dance and Maria, would you like to be part of a tribute to Machito with Tito Puente and the Apollo? Who was going to say no? What? Dance with Tito at the Apollo? So everybody I asked said, yes, 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 yes. So I gathered about 60 dancers, 60. Now, Mario, what do you think? How, how was I feeling having to choreograph 60 dances as opposed to dancing with just Maria and I? This was a real challenge, man. Okay. So when I got them, everything happened at a place called the Boys Harbor, El Museo del Barrio. 105th. Exactly. So that's where I would meet with everybody. And that, let me tell you, it was truly a nightmare, a nightmare to, to get the foundation started. Why? Because all these people that I invited, they all showed up. Now, Mario, I don't know if you know this, but in those days, for you to go dancing at the Corso, the Copacabana, what we would do is we would stop by the liquor store and pick up a little bottle of rum. And maybe before we went in the club, we'd smoke a joint, you know? We get into the whole mood of the thing because that was the thing we were doing at the time. Of course, absolutely. Or, or those who did cocaine, they would do coke. You know, it was it was that to be real. You know, so when I these dancers first came to the studio, one some of them had a sandwich in the left hand, a beer in the right hand, oh and they would ask me, "Said Eddie, where can I go smoke this joint?" Man? And I said, "Whoa, whoa!" <laughs> I said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." So I realized right then and there, I said, "Oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into?" And, and most of them that weren't even on two, they were just street dancers, right? Or no, they had no clue. They had oh, no clue. my God. No, they had no clue. When I started to tell them that they were going to learn how to dance with timing and counting, they said, Eddie, you crazy? Who counts the numbers when they're dancing? Oh, boy. So you could only imagine, and I bet you can't even imagine, oh, the nightmare that I went through to get some discipline. So it took me about a month to get them to stop coming in with the sandwich, with the beer, chewing the gum, drugs, drugs. And, and, and I said, listen, this is something. Time? Oh, said, my this, God. I said, I said, this is something totally different just from just going out to dance at the Copa or the Corso or wherever we were going at the time. I said, this is a, a real uh, uh, discipline project. I, I need to get you guys to learn how to work as professionals. And I said, I have, to, I have like maybe five or six months to make this happen. So I remember that as, the, as I started going into the development of this project, that uh, we, we asked this guy to come in and start measuring the dancers for the costumes. And I remember, <laughs> I remember while he's measuring the dancers and he sees the way the people are carrying on it and behaving, he would call me over, he says, Eddie, come here. He said, I gotta ask you a question. I said, yeah, what, what's up? He says, are you crazy? I said, why you say that? He says, these people are savages. <laughs> he, said, he said, there's no discipline here, look at them. They're talking, they're drinking. I said, oh my God. And, you know, and I told him, I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. Today, they are savages. But at some point in time, there's going to be a discipline that's going to come out of this. And you're going to see a whole different dance attitude with time. He says, I don't know how you're going to do it. 
He says, I wish you luck. And, I, and, I, and actually, I used to go home at night. I says, Tito, why did you do this to me? You know, because it was really hard, especially trying to teach him theory and timing. That was a challenge. And also, I'm sure for a lot of them, they didn't, they didn't even know what work ethic was. You know, no, it just was just No, I told them, listen, there'll be no gum chewing. There'll be no drinking. There'll be no eating. There'll be no this. And they look at me like, you crazy? Yeah. That's what we do, Eddie. I said, yeah, that's what you do in your own time social dancing, but this is a different approach. We started off with 60 dancers at the Apollo. We ended up with like 52 because there's other ones like Eddie. Yeah, some of them couldn't handle it. They'd fall out. But anyway, Tito told me, he said, Eddie, when you think you're ready to show me the choreography, call me up. And I don't know, you saw the the documentary A Bailar, right? Yes, yes. Well, you saw when Tito walked in to see what I was doing? Yes. Well, that was the first time Tito came down to look at what I was doing. And I used to tell the dancers, listen, Tito's coming down, man. You guys got to act professional. You need some discipline. You need to start learning how to behave and rehearse. And, and, and uh, I told him, if Tito doesn't like what he sees, he's going to squash this whole project. So I remember that was the first, the, the documentary was the first time he came. And then when I finished the number, I invited him to come see the finished product. And then, uh, as you saw, if you saw the number, I figured out what I was going to do with that introduction. Like, bah, bah, oh, bah. So there was two guys in the group that I picked that were gymnasts. They were gymnastics. So I said, I said, Gabriel, this guy Gabriel and his friend, I said, can you guys, while I start bringing everybody out like soldiers, ladies here, guys here coming together with that, can you guys like do flips and go across the stage? And I said, I need like five of you because I want it to be busy. So he said, Eddie, there's only two of us, but it's going to look like five. So you know what they would do, Ariel? Gabriel would stop, handspring, flip, flip, and then the other guy would come across, and then immediately he would, Gabriel would come back. So there was only two guys going back and forth. Oh, my God. So, so when uh, Tito came to see the actual finished product, uh, I remember we were in the gym at yeah. the Boys Harbor, and <laughs> he sat down. And all the dancers, they were excited, they were nervous, but we showed them the number. And I remember all I, all I was concerned with is I hope Tito likes it because I thought it was a beautiful thing for him to do this for Machito. So in the middle of the number, he starts smiling, you know? And then after, after the number finished, uh, I asked him, I said, so Tito, what do you think? And he looked at me, he says, Eddie, this is exactly what I wanted. Wow. Exactly what I wanted. He says, now. He says, what can I do to help you with this project? And I told him, I said, Tito, I'll be honest with you. I've got like 50-something dancers here. I have no money to put costumes on them. So without even finishing that, he reached into his pocket. He whipped out his checkbook. He signed the name. He left the amount blank. He said, whatever it is, put it there. I'm going to pay for everything. Oh, man, I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry because I said, man. Good old days. Yeah, yeah, this was beautiful. So... Tito was the one that, that provided <clears throat> uh, all the costumes. And, and then, and then uh, I remember because I was rehearsing it and I had a lot of room in Boys Harbor. Because if you, if you saw the number, there's a lot of changes. Dancers a lot of transitions, yeah. Across it. And so when I got to the Apollo that afternoon to do a tech rehearsal with Tito, Mario, I realized that the wings in the Apollo Theater were very narrow. Mm. And I told Maria, I says, how am I going to do all these transitions and all these changes when there's not much room to do this? So 
I'm here in the middle of the stage and I'm trying to think. And then Tito walks up to me and goes, Eddie, what's the problem? I said, well, Tito, honestly, when I rehearsed this at the harbor, I was thinking that the Apollo Theater had much wider space in the wings to right. do these transitions. And you know what he told me? He said, deal with it. Oh, that, was a, that was his famous line. Whenever we were in a situation, he said, deal with it. You'll figure it out. So sure enough, right? It took me about three hours to do some changes. But all I can tell you, that was such an amazing experience. And you know why? Because outside of the fact that I adjusted the choreography to make it work at the Apollo, but there were no costumes until a half hour before the show. Oh, my God. The people that were supposed to bring the costumes, and I'm on the phone trying to call them and say, yeah, yeah, we'll be there. A half hour before the show, Mary, and I'm not even exaggerating, we get the knock on the backstage door, and they started coming in, you know, like those garment workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they started bringing all the costumes in. So everybody, by that point, the dancers were frantic. They were driving Maria crazy. They were driving me. Eddie, what are we going to do? Oh, my God, there's no costumes. And Maria and I would say, relax. You know what? If the costumes don't make it, we're going to go on that stage, and we're going to perform with our, with our jeans and our sweatshirts, whatever you have on. And I told them, this show goes on. Take it up. I told him, no matter what, this show goes on. Yes. So sure enough, as you saw it in the video, yeah. everybody's scrambling to find shirts and everything. Yes. And it was madness. The real show was behind the scene <laughs> in the <laughs> dressing rooms. That Always. was the real show, yes. you know? Always. But all I can tell you, Mario, when, when Tito came onto to the stage and the curtains opened, it was like magic. Everything was in place. And what you saw as far as the numbers in the show, that happened, but it was a true miracle, to say the least, the way that came together. Now, at the end, is that why I think uh, you were mentioning someone had the wrong shirt because someone was missing a shirt? Oh, yeah, because everybody was just grabbing stuff, trying to oh, find, God. you know, because I, <clears throat> I had put their names on everything, and Maria had tagged everything. But at the end, since they were frantic and they were nervous because these guys never performed. Some of them never performed in a show in their life. And to be at the Apollo Theater performing with Tito Puente, you could imagine the madness and the nervousness that these guys were going through. Yeah. Now, let me say this to you. It all came together while the numbers started. Um, for example, David Melendez, he was dancing uh, with this girl named Nidia Ocasio, and they were supposed to come out together and do like maybe 12, 14 bars, but David was trying to put on his bow tie. So here he is in the wings, and I'm standing next to him. He goes, Eddie, I, I can't get this bow tie on. <laughs> and so Nidia looked at him. She goes, later for you. If you're not going to mess up my 12 bars. She ran out, and she started dancing without him. No and wonder. I, and then I, I, I fixed the bow tie, and I pushed us. Get out there. So if you notice, Dave, David just had enough time to come out and shake his shoulders, and then he yeah, left. Get out. Oh, my God. And now another one that freaked out a little bit was Delil Thomas. And Delil Thomas was, is a good dancer. But, you know, the whole thing with the experience of being there with Tito at the Apollo, he got what we call stage fright. Oh, boy. So here, here he is with this girl named Ruthie ready to come up, but he's staring into the, into the, into the sky, okay. and, his, and his mouth was open like this. <laughs> and I'm looking at him and says, Dilla, are you ready? And he's like, I said, D, you ready? So I realized back then, this guy is in shock. Oh, boy. So what I did, because I didn't know what to do, so I smacked him. <laughs> Oh I, smacked him. I smacked him like this and I pushed him out and he came out and you saw he, he, he got down. Oh he busted out. 
But these are the things, like I said, that those are great uh, stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't know this, but this was the real experience I was having yes. during that uh, production. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Now, listen. I know you have to go, uh, and we have to do a part two because you know there's 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 current events that you know I would like to touch up on. Oh my goodness, yes. you don't have enough time, man. We could do we could do a soap opera with all the stories I Mary, can tell you. You talk about Eddie Torres, fifty-seven years of dancing, choreographing, performing. All the fifty-seven years, you're going to try to do that in one hour. But let me let me let me leave you with this. If it wasn't for me having the blessing of having Maria by my side, I don't think I could have got through any of this. She has been the pillar and she has been the one that stuck. She believed in what I was doing and she's been by my side again, 41 years, but this is, this is the woman behind everything that I've done. So, you know, I, I, and as you know, Mario, wherever I go, the first thing I do is talk about her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always need that rock for our foundation. You know, but, but yeah, but thank God, you know, it was all, and you know, after 10 years of working with Tito, one day he looked at me, he says, you know, Eddie, none of this that we've done, I don't believe it's been a coincidence. Mm. I believe this was by design. Us being born in the same hospital, raised in the same neighborhood, coming together the way we did. He says, this was a plan, a, a, a higher up plan, you know? So I would have to say, yeah, I've always believed that what I've done all my life, I was meant to be and do what I do. And it was meant to be, you know? And I was always a block away from where he lived. Oh yeah, she was chasing me all over New York. <laughs> she was spying on you, that's what <laughs> She was spying. So, so, yeah, so, you know, I tell the young people, I said, listen, uh, don't let nobody shoot your dreams down. I said, but one thing for sure, you can't just dream about what you want to do. You know, I had this poster, which always, I, I, I like to tell this story because it inspired me. I had a poster at my wall that read, after all is said and done, more will be said than done. And then I put on the bottom, so just do it. Don't talk about it. Because talk is cheap, like yes. Peter was saying. You can't talk about your dreams. You got to work your butt off. You got to work for it. Actions so, speak louder than words, right? So I tell the young people, whatever you want to accomplish, you know, do it, but work for it. Don't dream about it. Now, one thing we, we have done throughout our lives, we have three kids. We have Nadia, Margarita, and Emmanuel. Um, each of our kids came mother and father, but they have three different uh, characteristics. So we don't tell them... You got to dance. We raise them and let them be who they yeah, are. Yeah, right. Now yeah. Nadia's been yeah. dancing really from the womb. Margarita, our daughter, is likes to sing and actions with drama queen. Our son Emmanuel is a mathematician. Nice. From here up, awesome. Here down. You know what that means? <laughs> Mario, that simply means that we're all, we all have a purpose on, yes. on this earth. Yes. The, the, the key is to find out what it is. What it is. You know, and Mario? encourage... As parents, we encourage our kids to be who they are. As long as they don't get hurt and hurt nobody else, we're good. Mario, one day I'd like to hear your story. Oh, yes. you know I have what an I mean? story. We all have a story, yes, my brother. So I want to hear yours one day. So before we go, and hopefully we can get a, another opportunity to um, to talk, because there's so many deep questions that we, we need to discuss. Yes. And the world needs to hear, by the way. Um, if you can have one wish, just one wish, uh, and have it come true. If there's any anything that you would want to see in the world of dance, uh, in in terms of the, the the evolution of the dance today, uh, what would that wish be? For me, I would have to say I would love the entire dance community to learn how to unite. Yes. To to work together. Nice. To not let the poison of jealousy and all these rivalries and 
I, I, that's the only negative thing I see. So I, I love when people, I tell dancers, you know, with your talent and your dance, you can use it to unite people or you can use it to divide people. So that would be my wish. I want to see more unity and people working together and learning how to respect each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. In, my, in, in, my, in my sense, since I usually follow the leader, I dance on one, two, three, four, and the two, three, four. It doesn't matter the timing. If you like the one and you, you want to dance with me, I'm going to dance in your world because I have to respect what you like. And if you dance on three and a half, I'm there. Four and a half, that's fine. There's mm-hmm. five different timings in the Mambo and Salsa, so I can adapt to the timing, because I know my theory, thank you, Eddie Torres, and I can adapt, doesn't matter. And I, I, I love it because it opens me as a dancer to experience different timings, different levels. Right. Which, which, Mario, that speaks to this. Um, you could only imagine throughout the years how people have tried to get me involved in discussions about, Eddie, uh, we want you to talk about how that two is better than the one. I said, no, no, no. You'll never get me caught up in that nonsense. No. I says, everything, just like my mother used to tell me, she says, uh, uh, gusto se hicieron los colores. She used to say, for example, I like red. If you like blue and the other one likes green, we all have our own personal taste for whatever we want to do in the world of dance. So if you like dancing on one, or, and if she likes dancing on two, and he likes dancing, I said, whatever you love, it's, it's fine. We should not look at it and try to compare and try to put one above the other. As a matter of fact, as you know, Mary, I'm a, I'm a fan of everything I see and everything. The only thing I say is whatever you do, do it correctly. If you're going to dance on one, then dance on one correctly. If you're going to dance on two. Respect others in the process. Exactly. 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 As a matter of fact, I admire, I see these youngsters. And now that we're, we're with the youth today, every week, superstars come out. I mean, these talents are, are getting, becoming uh, younger and even uh, better. And I, and I watched them. I said, oh, my God, who would have told me growing up in Spanish Harlem that one day I would see my dream come true and I would see what, what these youngsters are doing and I said, I'm glad that I've lived long enough to see this. Because yes. right now, I only wish that June Liberta was still alive to see what I see as I go around the world. And I'm sure that she would have looked at me. She says, didn't I tell you? <laughs> didn't I tell you? <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's why I said, listen, learn how to be. You know, it's hard to love everybody, although that's what we should do. That's what God wants us to do. Amen. Is to love each other and, and, and to and respect. respect each other. So, Mario, um, thank you. Thank you for being such a beautiful brother. Like I said, um, I've never, uh, never hung out with you, like, say, like, like boys doing it. But every time I've seen you and I, and I see what the, the work you do on stage when you, you're the MC, and I say, this brother is so gifted. And you have such a beautiful way of expressing yourself. And I see the, 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 the respect that you have for, for the art and for, for, for how you see it, the whole evolution. And I say, Mario is doing what he should be doing, man, is representing with class and respect the, the art form that we love. Elegant. So thank you, Mario. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, so you for, re- thank you for being in my path. Thank you for, you know. Not you a know, coincidence. Not a coincidence. Yeah, not a coincidence. Right? You're okay, in my journey brother. for a reason. Amen. Okay, so we're going to let you go now. And we'll, like I said, when you call upon us again, God willing, we'll be there always for you. Two, plan three, four, whatever you like. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, uh, Emily. And we have Emily and we have uh, Ruben. Ruben. (laughs) Ruben. So thank thank you guys for doing this. This is something that I believe is really good and necessary. So so you guys are, are a blessing 
to the dance community with this type of platform. Yeah. All right. And good morning, always. Good morning. Good morning, always. <laughs> By the way, we will have we have we teaching online Eddie and Maria Torres teachable.com. Oh, espérate. Eddie um, and Maria Torres teachable.com. No, she says, uh, we haven't put that many videos, but we have a few teaching videos online, Eddie and Maria Torres .com. Um We also were doing classes, as you know, at, at, at uh, my daughter's studio in, in Jersey, at your home, home place. Um, and my, by the way, Melanie, uh, she's, she loves you. And she, she's married, such a cool person. And I says, I agree with her. So we're in Jersey and we teach every Saturday outdoors. We're going to probably do that till October, till the weather gets cold. And I know, I know that it's, it's not easy because, as you know, Mario, this uh, pandemic has put us all on pause. You know, we're all going through the same thing together. But we're in it together. And Mario, one of the most beautiful things is I say, you know, if we learn as teachers and as promoters, if we learn to work together, we can all, we can all accomplish a lot more. And, and, and it's a beautiful thing when you see people united, whether you're a dance teacher or a promoter or you have an event. Like Melanie always tells me, hey, whenever I have an event, Mario sends his people. Whenever he has an event, I send my people. That's, what, that's the way it should be. Absolutely. That's he the way it should be. He wants to ask us a quick question before we leave. What is the question, darling? You said you had a juicy question? No, no. no, I, no have, I, have, I have. That, that's what the, no, that's man, the sequel. I have, I have a lot of juicy questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! We love you, Mario. Again, until we meet again, and stay yeah. safe, please. Igualmente. Ciao. 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 Bye. Bye. All right, my beautiful people. That concludes part one of a two-part series, and thank you to the Mambo King and Queen, Eddie and Maria Torres. Be on the lookout for episode two with Eddie and Maria Torres, and thank you for tuning in and listening to our very first episode of Roots, Rhythm, and Soul. Special thanks to our founder and executive producer, Emily Mia Mathura, and our technical producer, Ruben Valeriani. Big shout outs go to Colorado New Style Dance Studio in Denver, Ellie Perez in Atlanta, Georgia, Laura Escalante in Denver, Chris Pedersen in Lubbock, Texas, and Kristen Alicia in Denver.